the Jay and Farad Show. I am Jay Arrow, executive editor at CNBC. You are. I am Farhad Manju, technology columnist at the New York Times. Although currently I'm not at the New York Times, I'm just Oof. at home. Well, okay, but you're not like fired from the New York Times. No, I'm not fired from the New York Times, but I'm not getting not a paycheck. They don't pay from you the... though, right? No, they're not, paying I, you right now? they're not paying me. So, oof, brutal. That's that is tough. So, what do you drive an Uber and stuff? <laughs> yeah, Uber. Well, Lyft. I don't. I don't. I don't believe in Uber. Oh, right. I you're get, like a, I drive for Lyft and DoorDash. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's cool. That's a gig economy, man. Gig economy. Yeah. That's awesome. Congrats on that. Congrats on the promotion to being an Uber driver. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, it's a fun life. I'm uh, I'm going to. Oh, I, I guess I probably can't say where I'm going. I'm. <laughs> what, it's blocked? not a secret thing. No, it's just I'm going to do this media thing, but it's probably can't say what it is before it, it airs. I'm going to L.A. So. Um, uh, I'm going to leave today. That's that's all I, I... There's no real point to this story. I'm just telling you that I'm traveling to L.A. later in the day. For something top secret. <laughs> For an interview makes, with BuzzFeed to run their uh, video stuff. Congratulations. Well, thanks. Thank I mean, the interview Make sure you wear a yet, hoodie. So. Don't wear, like, a suit. You'll look Is totally that, that, That's the key to getting a job at BuzzFeed, wearing a hoodie. Yeah, don't show up. I mean, that's a Jonah. He wears a hoodie. He's like, you don't want to show up in the suit uh, at the interview for BuzzFeed. Wait, is, does Jonah wear a hoodie, like, as a trademark? Like, is it, like, his uniform? Or he just wears a hoodie sometimes? I think he just wears a hoodie. I think because they're comfortable, would be my guess. But I haven't ever... T- I don't... Have I talked to Jonah Peretti ever? I have, probably. That's hard to say. Um... um uh, I've, I I've met Jonah before. I don't remember if he was wearing a hoodie. I don't think he was wearing a hoodie. Well, he was indoors, so it would be like, uncomfortable. To wear so a we, we don't... What do you want to talk about this week? This is like... Uh, we don't even have our typical producer, and we don't have our uh, typical sound engineer, and we, we don't We haven't have done this show for, what, three, four three weeks, weeks now? Is it yeah. a show? What are we doing here? We're just doing a phone call? <laughs> you know what? I met someone the other day mm-hmm. uh, who said that... Like out, he f- he spotted me. Okay, so if you're listening, this person um, is a person whose daughter. <laughs> I can't. I don't want to like disclose his name or where he works, but like his daughter is in the same dance program as my daughter. Are, um, and so we went to like the recital for my daughter's um, dance thing, and then this person spotted me, and he was like, "Hey, I, I listened to your podcast," and and then we had a good chat. So uh, that was cool. Uh, you mean he? He said I listen he to like, the podcast. That, that you're, I listen to Jay's podcast. You're often a guest. Is that what he meant to yeah, say? Yeah, exactly. No, I mean it was interesting. He didn't say like I know you as a New York Times writer or anything. He was like I yeah, listen to your podcast. podcast. That's great. Like, that was his fabulous. Yeah. Um. So what were we talking about? We were talking about what we're doing. Whether this is an ongoing podcast. Whether uh, how we have no producer today. Oh, you know what I hate? Just... Well, not what I hate. Everyone hates me. Boy, people don't like me on this podcast. I'll tell you that much. But that's fine. Well, how do you um, know? I understand. Um, so what do we want to talk about this week? I think, you know... Wait, how do you know people week? don't like you? Because <laughs> when we had Casey on, uh, when we had Casey on the other week, all the, uh, oh, I got a yeah. bunch of tweets being like, it'd be nice if you had let Casey talk. To which I said, believe me, folks, I was doing you a favor cutting him off. Believe me. Right. Believe right. Me. You, you don't want to hear too much of Casey Newton. Yes. Trust me on that one. Um... What do you want to talk about? We're doing a podcast. We just chat. It's a chat. It's a chat cast. It's a chat cast. No, I, I like a chat cast. I, I've been listening to more chat casts recently. Yeah. Um, I think they're great. Like, 
it's not we, we can't all be uh can't all be the daily we can't all be serial <laughs> can it Some all be us, the monthly <laughs> we're, we're like the saying, quarterly like, in terms of production level in terms of quality you know some of us are just gonna have to mail it in and if you like it that's fantastic. And no, I think I think that's the soul of podcasting. It's the it's the amateur, um, you know, like rough, not polished, uh, mm, get your yes. thoughts straight out there podcast. We we don't need producers. We don't need anyone to edit what we're saying. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, we're too raw <laughs> for radio. <laughs> um, so all I've been doing this week, other than like uh, trying to write this book, is Peloton. I. Um, yeah, Peloton. Um, I listened to the James Comey book, which is great. Oh um, man, I've been listening. I'm I'm on that. That's on my. That I'm going to start that tonight on the drive home. I uh, uh, I had been listening to the Tiger Woods book, which is not very good. Uh, no offense to those people. Is it? It's not. It's uh, about, about Tiger Woods, not by. Yeah, Tiger it's about Woods, Tiger Woods. Right? Yeah, I haven't. I mean, haven't you at this point like read or listened to many Tiger Woods books? Yes, and so that's and so did these authors. And that's right, what that's what I read. I read the review of it somewhere that said that like there's not a lot new here. Yeah, it seemed like you know it's interesting as a journalist. I guess I don't know if this is true or not for a journalist versus a non-journalist, but you're more attuned to when um, an author has sources that provide context and when they clearly don't have sources and you're highly, I, I don't know if this happens to regular readers too, but you, it's very, very clear when you have a good source who's giving you lots of information and when that source drops out of the picture and suddenly you're, you're like without information, like you're, you know, so you can see like, Oh, this guy was like clearly Marco Mira. Who's like this golfer who was a good friend of Tiger Woods in the early days of Tiger Woods career. Um, spoke to them at length about certain things in the early days. And then he and Tiger Woods sort of, I don't know if it had a falling, they didn't really seem to have a falling out. They just stopped communicating. And so there's these huge chunks where you're missing tons of color or like Tiger Woods. Um, wife, and he was even, their only source. Like you can or see their like, main source. clearly Tiger Woods first girlfriend provided them a ton of color about what Tiger was like in high school. Like his high school girlfriend gave him all this information. And then Tiger Woods, um, like second, like I guess major girlfriend who was when he was early on the tour also gave them a bunch, but Elon clearly gave them nothing, and so they had no real insight in it. So it was kind of a, it was kind of a, uh, you, you can just feel like when they have sources and when they don't, and it's a huge big deal. Yeah, uh, in terms of like the quality of the storytelling. So anyway, Comey book, which is on my, which I'm on now, or, or where I will be on. It's great. I mean, I saw, I've seen like, a, obviously, he did a ton of interviews. And um, so there's no, nothing you're going to read in the book that, like, you probably haven't seen in his, like, 50 dozen interviews so far. And then there's also been, he's been, was like the talk of Twitter basically all for much of the week because, uh, you know, liberals are mad at him because he, he, through the election to to Donald Trump and conservatives are mad at him uh, because they think he's going to bring down uh, the president. And so um, it's interesting to just sort of see his thinking. Um, I feel like everyone who like is interested in politics in the last like year and a half or so should read it because he it's he's super interesting and he kind of goes through all the major um, you know controversies of the of the election but also before you know he was in he's been um a law enforcement official for a while um and the audiobook is great because he uh because he reads it and he has a pretty good like reading voice um i 
I found it like one of the one of the best books I've read this year. Um, and it's weird because I, I don't think usually it's read exciting like exciting when the author reads the book because you get yes their sense on it or whatever. Yeah, um, I agree. Um, I don't always read like newsy books, like books that are like just out. Um, but I thought that. You know, there was sort of sufficiently, he was like a central character in many of the interesting stories. And like he does sort of give you a lot of information about what it was like to um, to meet with. Like there's great scenes of Barack Obama in it, of um, of Donald Trump, obviously. Um, it's, a, it's a great book. I've been trying, you know, I've absorbed a lot of the information, like a lot of the stories and the interviews that he's done. I've been trying to not like take in too much, trying to avoid spoilers where possible, because um, I was going <laughs> to read the book. Uh, but the thing that I would say, and I don't know how it comes across in the book, that I, and this is like, I guess, far afield for both of us, but uh, the thing that, in the interviews with him, he doesn't come across as like the sw- as like a swaggering leader of a massive organization. Like, he doesn't, he comes across v- it gets very um it gets very i don't know if humble's the right word or like mm-hmm. insecure i guess is the word like he comes across as very like he doesn't come across as a leader he comes across as being a person who had a lot of self doubt and a lot of questioning and like you think about uh, he comes across very human but then you think about it, he's essentially the ceo of a massive spy network and everything like that he does not come across that way in the interviews that i've seen and i don't know if it translates in the book like i'm just thinking about you know He's on, I don't know if he's on par, but it's like, you know, when you interview a corporate leader, like they always come across as super confident and, and maybe it's all false bravado, but they, they never seem to have much hesitation or doubt. And like Marissa Meyer did the corner office interview with the New York Times yeah. and she was asked, you know, do you regret anything or do you wish you had done anything differently? And she didn't like, she didn't, she didn't even give the... In hindsight, you always identify the mistakes you've made, and hindsight's always going to be twenty twenty. And are there things that I regret? Of course, there's things I regret, and I don't want to get into the specifics. But I, because I like to look forward, and I think on balance we did a really great job. But there are some things that I would always love to take back. But that's just life. Like she just she didn't even throw in that. She's just like, I think we did amazing. You know, like yeah. Um, and Comey was like all doubt. I think you may be reacting to kind of the nature of the questions that he was asked because I, I feel I got a sense that um, I got two things from the book. One, he does seem to be he doesn't apparently regret anything. Like he uh, he thinks he made every every decision correctly, and he argues persuasively that he did. Um, and I think one of the criticisms of the book that I've seen from some reviewers was like he um, is not willing to kind of. Um, you know, engage in any doubt. Cause he, he does say, you know, other people might've disagreed with me. Um, and in some of the interviews, his sort of body language suggested like that he had been, you know, think that the decisions were tough. Um, but sort of the way he comes out of on, on all of it is that like he made the right decision, which I think is where he's drawn some criticism. Um, yeah. I think that what, uh, what you may be reacting to is like, he does seem extremely, pained about how, about like the position he was in his whole thing was that the fbi should be uh you know a completely nonpartisan uh organization and 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 never sort of have the appearance of like bending toward one side or the other and like in in several instances in the election he was called to sort of make very political choices and i think he just um 
and and obviously was was criticized over about all of them and like he seems to be very um like sort of like emotional basically over all those choices um but i i i think one of the interesting things i i wondered about this book particularly um like if i would have felt differently about it if i had read it um rather than listen to the audiobook because the fact that he's reading the audiobook um really makes the case like that he's making that uh and sort of um just the story that he's telling a lot more personal and like emotional and you get a sense of the kind of um difficulty he and the fbi were in in like a deeper way than i think you would if he was um if you were just reading it so i i don't know i mean i didn't read it i just listened to the audiobook but i would recommend yeah. the audiobook over the text yeah i'm listening to the audiobook um i uh, um I, yeah I'm, I'm i'm interested in hearing it uh i thought for sure i thought it was going to be a very boring book so i was kind of surprised that with the excerpts that you know that he made very personal attacks against Donald Trump, I was I was expecting a much more staid book than what the excerpts indicate is there. Yeah, I I was too, and it has one of those like boring like kind of higher loyalty. Uh, yeah, boring titles, boring cover. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. It doesn't signal like interesting book, but I thought it was more interesting, like pretty interesting. Um, what else? Anything in tech? And there was like a bunch of Tesla stuff that we didn't talk about. There was obviously all the Mark Zuckerberg stuff we didn't talk about, but I don't think we should because it's too. Yeah, it seems like the Facebook thing is, uh, I mean, I think the last time, uh, I'll just say on Facebook, the last time we did a podcast, we had Casey on and uh, we were talking about, you know, Casey wasn't talking. We didn't like Casey. Right. We didn't like Casey. We had him on. We didn't let him talk, which is fair. Um, Right you know is this is this going to actually hurt facebook is this going to lead to any kind of major changes and i would say three weeks removed it sure feels like it blew past and it's going to be fine like i don't think anything major is going to change uh for facebook but maybe i'm wrong uh uh, the way I I, i guess i would say i don't think i think you're right in the short term i think the um so like long term danger for Facebook and Google and and all the other companies that sort of deal in data is that I think that in America and Europe like your regulators are just going to get more like tougher over time and kind of less uh forgiving um but that doesn't kind of change the overall industry dynamic. I don't think that it like is existential for Facebook or Google. It's just sort of perhaps will require like longer term changes over their practices and stuff like that but it does not seem like um i mean we you get these you get these uh cycles of you know face outrage against facebook and this was obviously the kind of the biggest one and then it does blow over because because people don't fundamentally stop using facebook um and and it's one of those things where like people obviously sort of I think people seem okay with that trade, even after everything they hear of like, we're going to give you Facebook all the stuff and um, we'll just keep using Facebook. I mean, I feel like until that changes and we may see yeah. something like that in earnings or something, but until that changes, they seem okay. Yeah. I think the, I think the fundamental, you know, the fundamental thesis, if you will, on all of this is that uh, consumers have, accepted that they've given up some level of privacy uh and they that's okay then every now and again there's these big kind of blow-ups and suddenly everyone's like oh maybe i'm not okay with it and then you know it blows over and then they're like yeah it's fine who cares um 
but I, the way I've been thinking about this in terms of like as a metaphor would be like the way that there's uh, recessions for the U.S. economy, uh, mm-hmm. and you have and and they kind of they they start compressing and then they you know so they get worse and then they get really bad. So like I feel like this is Facebook's dot com crash, but Facebook still has its you know equivalent of a financial crisis looming. Like I still think that there is going to be a really devastating privacy data leak scandal that hits them and it'll probably be in like three to five years and that's going to be the big one but they haven't had the big one yet would be my take that's interesting like because you know like it it comes in cycles for them you know it's like every three years something flares up and they keep getting sort of as the platform gets bigger as the stakes get higher like it gets bigger but it it gets there but then it's not and then it fades and, and i feel like they're, 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 the next one is going to be massive for them. And I don't but know you're not, what it's it not like a, You're not saying it's going to be like a privacy thing. You're saying it's going to be some kind of big like scandal, like not a data leak. You mean like some... some it could be data. Some... It could be privacy. It could be something. Like I just feel like they, they have throughout, you know, throughout the history of Facebook, there have been scandals related to like privacy, data usage, and every time it kind of flares up and then it disappears, it flares up and it disappears. And <clears throat> the scale, like the, the magnitude of these continues to increase. Um, and I think that we are, we are going to, we haven't had the big one yet, but I think the big, but I think the next one, whatever it's going to be, and I have no idea, will be the big one, if that makes sense. Huh. That's an interesting prediction. Yeah. It's All good because right. it's a, like a, it's a, you know, it's a good prediction because it's a three to five year prediction. Nobody, I mean, who's going to remember three, three to five years? Yeah. Somebody could come back and be like, you know, four years ago, you were on that podcast and you said that there was going to be a massive scandal to hit Facebook and nothing has happened. What do you have to say for yourself? I don't know, man. I guess I was wrong. Aha! You know what I mean? So yeah. that's how you make... Pro tip to the pundits out there. Always make your predictions on five-year time horizons. Because no one remembers. Do, yeah, I mean, yeah, no one remembers anything. 10 years. So. Right. Exactly. Um, that's, why, that's why being a columnist, that's the way to go. Like I had, that's the best job, right? Yeah. I suggested to somebody uh, an idea for a column, and someone r- said, yeah, but what if that's wrong? I said, that's the job of a columnist. That's the whole point. That's the point of being a columnist. Is maybe you're going to be wrong. Maybe you won't. Your job is to have provocative ideas. And then, you know, whatever. Nobody's going to, like, totally pin you down. It's fine. That's the job of a columnist. Anyway. Yeah. Um, what else is going on out there in tech? Uh, um... Netflix, man. Another good quarter for Netflix. That is what think- a beast. What a do you beast. think? Do you think Netflix is is going to be one of the big, like, one of the big American tech? Like, is it going to be as big as Google and Facebook and Amazon and Apple? Uh, I don't know how to think about Netflix. Like, so there's two. There's like a there's a Netflix. Netflix is in that zone where Apple was in the zone in terms of as somebody you know from my perspective, and obviously, and I think you're interested in like the business side as well. Um, I think there's like the Netflix product side, just the, the, cons- the product that they offer is obviously great. Consumers love that product. And then there's the stock side and the stock yeah. is up like 60% this year alone. And I don't know if this is still true, but I saw a chart 
tweeted that I think Netflix market cap, like its market valuation, surged past Disney. And Disney earns billions of dollars per year in profits. And Netflix sets billions of dollars per year on fire. Like they have to raise debt and issue equity to cover their costs. And so... Why do you, why, net, so why are you saying they're like Apple? Because I think that Apple would get tangled into like stock versus product performance. It was always this like interesting thing. And the, the, the Apple, uh, I don't want to say fanboys, but the people who were very defending of Apple. And whenever the stock went down, they would say, well, the product's still good and Wall Street doesn't understand us. And there's this entangling, like there's this... There's a dual story where you're focused on the market value and how much is, is Apple undervalued? Is it the right value? And mm. then there's also looking at how many iPhones are they going to sell? Is the market predicting that? Like there was a there was a commingling of its of its stock price with the product and everything like that. And for for Netflix, I think that there's a commingling there too because you have this stock that blasts to the moon. And so when you say, what's, is Netflix going to be as big as Google or Facebook? I guess it depends on how you define that. And what do you mean by as big as Google and Facebook? Because they're not going to have 2 billion users. I don't think they can have 2 billion subscribers. Um, are they going to be a $300 billion company? I have no idea how you, like, how do you put a valuation? Like the, the, the theory on Netflix in terms of like as a stock investment is that they are going to kill everyone out. Like they're just going to, own the TV landscape, or like, like there's going to be maybe three, um, if you will, TV providers going forward, and it's going to be Amazon, Netflix, and TBD. Like maybe it's Hulu, maybe it's like uh, Disney, maybe it's somebody else, right? And so if you say like I'm just going to buy this company, and I think that, and I don't obviously I don't believe this, but you believe like Comcast slash NBCU is going to go to zero. I don't believe that. Um, mm-hmm. Or you believe uh, Time Warner, AT&T is going to be a failure and Time Warner will go to zero, like all these other content. And then you're just going to have one left standing. And it's going to be Netflix, so I might as well buy it. But like, from a, you know, you can come up with all the kinds of metrics you want to create um, if it's, you know, price to subscribers or price to revenue or whatever you want to do. So like, that's why you're asking like Google and Facebook. I don't know how you compare it. I think the pro- so, like I think they have lots of subscriber growth still ahead of them, um, but I don't know how you would come up with what the right value for Netflix is. Okay, so my question was a little bit like silly. Uh, so basically, I meant so we have you know these four companies, uh, maybe Microsoft, like Apple, Amazon, Google, and Facebook that are kind of like all-purpose tech companies. Like you expect them to one or several of them to have um they have enough kind of core technology and users and kind of like platform strength that they can kind of do anything next in tech like uh or or just anything like people expect amazon to like open pharmacies and google to like do um you know health diagnoses and stuff mm-hmm. um so so netflix obviously is not on, the, on that path they're not like a platform yeah. company like that um they're not sort of like an all-purpose technology company but like i i what i wonder is um, what I've been wondering lately is like, is there a company that is not one of those four right now that is sort of on the path to becoming those four? And of so, I guess like, well, let me ask you um, on this front: um, <clears throat> isn't Amazon the only one of those that are that's actually been successful? Like, Amazon and Apple are the only two 
I think, that have been truly successful down multiple paths. So Apple invented the personal computer, you know, the yeah, Mac. I heard that. Macintosh. Uh, mm-hmm. Then they did the iPhone. Then they did, well, then they did the iPod. Then they did the iPhone. Then they did the iPad and the, the Apple Watch, which I think is a success. Well, um, and they also did, I mean, you're naming a bunch of devices, but they also sort of did the App Store, iTunes. like they created, uh, yeah, iTunes. They, they did sort of like the services and software. And, right. Yeah. And Apple is a true platform. You could say that Snapchat, Uber, Facebook, um, Twitter, all these things don't exist unless like the App Store and the iPhone exist. Right. Um, so they they've done that and and, and, you, and like Amazon so has done that saying, in like AWS in right. the store and even in the store there's this marketplace and like logistics yeah. and um yeah uh but so Amazon's done but the other ones like what has Facebook done like Facebook has done Facebook they bought Instagram yeah I mean I think acquisitions count still also I mean like Google like Google has done Android and that's an acquisition like Instagram counts I think Instagram but Instagram is sort of a similar I mean it's the same business it's not different it's not um it's not like oculus and we'll see whether oculus yeah. works like but that's I guess a device like what company. I would say is that like so yeah look Google did search uh did gmail did maps um Android. Android, which, you know, not a business, but fine. Um, it did... Um, Chrome. It bought YouTube. Yeah, it did Chrome. It did YouTube. So those are multiple I think that lines. counts. I think yeah, all that those counts. Are, those are multiple... I, I would say those yeah. are multiple products. I think that they failed to innovate in terms of building multiple businesses. Right, right. Uh, they still make almost job. all their money from ads. Yeah, and and I think that like I, I wonder how much money like I don't think they make as much money as one would think from YouTube. I don't think they make as I don't know how much if any like they probably make a small amount from Maps. I know they license Maps. Like Maps business probably isn't a huge business considering the user base. Right. I mean, um, but you're, you're forgetting that Google a is a like Google is a younger company than Apple or <laughs> Amazon even, and you know they're they have a bunch of things like AI basically that they're trying to build yeah. into new products, but and I so guess, like, that I could guess, happen. But I guess what I, I would say is they, they've done a lot of products. I, I guess the Google, Google uh, I didn't know if what you were saying was like Google like said we're going to cure cancer and they haven't cured cancer and it doesn't seem like they're, you know, and like we're going to do self-driving cars and maybe they're moving towards that or maybe they aren't or like we're going to do like, you know, internet through balloons and, and some of the more far out stuff that Google has talked about. Um, I didn't know if you were saying like Netflix would go into the far out kind of stuff, which I don't. Think no, I, I, I mean, I mean, it I doesn't think, feel like, like Netflix, Netflix is. Good. Netflix is weirdly um, focused, right? Like, right. when you get right down to it, it just does TV shows and movies. Right. I mean, that's it's in a different sort of place as a company. I, it's 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 not like younger. Like it was started around the same time, but um, yeah. you know, it took a, it had a completely different business first, and and it's sort of like internet fueled streaming part of the business is, is newer and that's obviously the place where it's growing but um but so that wasn't the right question exactly but what i meant was i don't know maybe that's a dumb question like maybe it's not about netflix as much as like is there another company that's going to be like the one of those um you know one of those four we we don't have to talk about that now we can just talk about netflix actually but uh <laughs> I mean, that's probably the point of your next book, but I don't. Yeah. I, there's certainly doesn't. I mean, Uber, like Uber. Yeah, I mean, Uber. I thought Uber seemed to be like on that path until it ran into a lot of trouble, and now it's cutting out all those business lines. So, 
Like it's not, it's doing food, but it's not, mm-hmm. it doesn't see itself as like an expansive, like logistics company. It's also like cutting out different geographies and yeah. Yeah. I think that I would say if I, Uber is probably to a certain extent dialing back ambitions right now and trying to get sort of right sized, but I don't think that like in 10 years, could it be like up there and doing like expanding into a lot of different categories if it can kind of get through this period and come out the other side, I think it could. So I would say yeah. Uber, if I was to pick a company right now of all of them, like uh, I would put, I think Uber would be my best bet right now. I mean, do you um, count Tesla? Does Tesla count as one of these? Yeah. I mean, I think Uber and Tesla probably count. Um, Tesla, but they both, well, they're both in the car business and they're also both like, kind of troubled like they, yeah. their their futures are um not it's hard to know what will happen <laughs> yeah i mean i think tesla like is the most uh is one of the most interesting we talk about them all the time and one of, could has the potential to be one of the absolute most interesting uh companies out there right like it could totally be like when you think about it, if it works like from the power wall to the solar like um shingles if you will the solar roofs to the cars themselves to all that like all that fits together um even though i think when they were buying solar city i was like this doesn't make any sense Um, i I think that whole i think that whole story seems less um likely today than it did a year and a half ago um because well, so their fundamental work. problem is they're like operationally constrained like they can't make the cars they fast enough they can't um uh, the whole sort of integration that you're talking about is is a long-term plan and and there are lots of other companies that can do that kind of thing and the kind of their core um what they want to do is like build batteries cheaper, um, build cars in a more automated way. Mm-hmm. Um, all that stuff is stuff that like big industrial companies now that they're sort of alerted to the opportunity can, can do uh, and like can work together to do. Um, I, so I don't know. I mean, I, I think that yeah, like, wonder, they, like the, so Jeff Bezos had his um, annual shareholder letter uh, yeah, I saw that. and in, and in it, I haven't gotten a chance to read a whole thing, but I read like an excerpt that it's somebody tiny. tweeted like a it's screenshot. Uh, I'm very busy. Very, okay. Remember, executive editor right. at CNBC. <laughs> you think I got just time on my hands to sit around? Very busy. Very busy. Um, so, but the one excerpt was when he talked about a friend who wanted to learn how to do a freestanding uh, handstand, like not against the wall. And yeah. like this person went to a yoga instructor and then the yoga instructor connected them with a handstand instructor. And then he said, yes, I know what you're thinking. Apparently they actually do exist. And the handstand instructor said, if you want to do this, you have to understand it's going to take six months. Don't think that this is going to take two weeks to do. If you think it's going to take two weeks and you're just going to quit. And he said the importance, it's the, it's the importance of having high standards and wanting to achieve a goal, but having realistic timelines. And Obviously, uh, like Elon Musk, like he, there's this balance between wanting to be really ambitious and say, we're going to produce, you know, whatever, however many cars per week by a certain date and not being able to achieve that. And that sort of like, you know, set the bar high. And then if you come up just short, you still, you know, what is, as, as they say, what is it? Uh, you reach for the stars and if you come up short, you still land in a cloud. I believe that's the saying. <laughs> I did not know that one, but, um... I think that's from a Kanye West song. Uh, it's the same kind of thing. 
Uh, yeah, he's in one of his songs, it's something like that. Reach for the stars and you come up short, you still land in a cloud. Anyway, something to that effect. Um, so the, you know, I, I wonder if he's just, he hasn't set proper timelines, and that's why, so there's all this doubt now, because they can't produce the cars, they can't do the stuff, like, they can't, the solar, the solar uh, panels would be great for the roof if they actually happened, and the Model 3, if they actually manufactured it and sold it, would be great if they could happen, but they're, they're struggling with, like, kind of the basics. Yeah. Right. Um, that All that said, I have started to see at least two Model 3s on the road a day around here. Which is um, which is like pretty good. Like it's it's faster. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't know what pretty good means. It's like much more than I was seeing um, three months ago. Like three months ago, I, I, yeah, I would see like one Model Three a week, um, and now they're they're kind of everywhere. Um, there's still a ton more Chevy Bolts on the road. Like they're mm. like all over here, um, and. Like they're they're as popular as like Tesla Model S's. Um, so the what the bolts or the the three? bolt, yeah, no, the bolt. Okay. The the Model Three, there's just not a lot of them. Um, yeah. But they look great. Every time I see one, I, yeah. I still like want one. Like it has a nice, it has a really nice looking front. But I haven't been in yeah. one, um, so I don't know anything about inside. They look, cra- yeah. I, the video reviews of them, like all the reviews I've seen, they look very, very sparse inside. So I'm yeah. curious to see how that goes. I was walking by one the other day that was parked, and I looked in it, and it looked kind of strange. And um, credit cards to open them up. Um, but they, you know, but that, I, I think that Elon just seems to have, you know, you know, whatever. The bottom line on Elon Musk is you don't doubt him. But again, you want to, again, going back to the Netflix and the Apple thing, it's like Tesla's also, it's a stock story and it's a product story and all that kind of stuff. Like part of the, in addition to the things that Tesla was making, like the stock went like skyrocketed in a way that didn't really make sense in terms of any traditional valuation. And the thesis to a certain extent was Tesla's going to be the only car maker that exists in 20 years. So you might as well buy it at whatever price you can buy it at now. Um, and if that no longer holds up, the stock drops, but if they're still making good products and they're progressing, maybe slower than expected, but still progressing, then, you know, what do you, you know, it's complicated, right? Well, I mean, they're going to run out of money, right? <laughs> like, they're going uh, to need... Not according to them. Not, hey, not according to them. And they also said they'd be making 2,500 cars per week right. uh, by Q1. They didn't do that. So, uh, do you and, trust them? And um, they just had to stop the production line again, right? Like, um, yeah, for some reason? So. Yeah. So. So, yeah. And I think, like, Elon Musk said, like, we've got too many robots out there. Yeah, he and said humans he are underrated. And, he, yeah, uh, which... Mm, up for debate but he uh but he also put a hundred million dollars on the board company it's like this guy just needs to focus focus elon focus 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 you know that would be my advice what like why how is how is how is that holding up model 3 production his i don't i don't think focus is the thing i don't think he if he got if he stopped working on the boring company and went over and like personally went on the line maybe but i don't think that that's um What's required? I don't. I don't. I just don't we don't know. I don't know enough about how about the production delays to know that like his focus is the reason. His lack of focus is the reason that it's. Why slow. is he sleeping at the factory on the factory floor? Then I don't know. Maybe he just like he likes the smell of it. 
<laughs> well, did you hear there was a there was a re- report from that investigative um, reporting group called Reveal about um, like saying that they had um, Tesla hadn't reported several injuries and that in general there were like safety violations at this factory where it's building the model three um tesla sort of denied all of this but one of the charges was like they didn't have um like very brightly delineated lines on on the factory floor for where um people can walk versus where the machines are um and it was like light gray and dark gray rather than like in other companies there's like bright orange to tell you where you can't go and um when these reporters asked why there wasn't bright orange they said uh tesla um elon hates orange oh no it was yellow elon hates yellow that's the reason (laughs) uh like they like Tesla officially said that or like employees? No, employees were told. told employees told the uh, reporters Uh-oh. that they had heard that they don't have yellow markings on the on the ground because um, Elon hates yellow. I think um, I, I think uh, Tesla denied that. But. Yeah, I think I saw that Nicholas Carlson tweeted something like the parallel here was like um, Steve Jobs when they built Next and he built this like beautiful looking uh, production facility and he put like all his energy into making the production facility as nice and as good looking as like uh, as an Apple product and that but yeah. that led to inefficiencies that like there's maybe a parallel in there but I have no idea yeah I mean it, it seems like something that's it, it sounds believable but I don't know if it actually it would be true but yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um what else anything else to talk about um did we even say anything yet have we had any hot takes no we haven't i mean you know what i i i guess i i've um used twitter and social networking a lot less recently and one thing that i've been using is this app called freedom which i probably everyone knows about but it's uh it's like blo- it. it blocks you from using uh, so like you tell it what you don't want to use uh uh-huh. and, you, and you tell it um you give it access to like all your devices and it like it's pretty good at it's like you can get around it but it's pretty good at stopping you and so you give it like uh either a schedule or you say you know, for the next five hours, like, stop me from using Twitter. And um, I had resisted this for a while, even though I'm terrible, obviously, about using Twitter. And I always, like, get distracted about by it. But I always thought, like, my own willpower would work. But then I just mm-hmm. tried it. And um, it works really well. Like, if you're not allowed to use something, if your computer, like, prevents you from using it, then you sort of stop thinking about it after a while. And, like, because you try to use it and it, like, shows you that it's blocked. And then you kind of, like, over time have the desire to use it less. So I've been using Twitter less, and I kind of feel like I don't know what's going on a lot. But I've been listening to a lot more podcasts, and um, I just want to uh, um, tell you that podcasts are great. Uh, I'm, I've been shifting away from podcast to the book on tape thing, but we'll see. It, it yeah. I mean, I've been close. doing that too, but I mean, I've been listening to both kinds of things. I have lots of listening hours. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, uh, what do you do? Like, do you walk around? Is that it? Like, that's the problem with like podcast, like, you know, you, you, what else are you, what are you doing? You don't have well, a dog to walk or anything. Sometimes, um, well, I take, when I'm like, driving when i'm driving the kids to school in the morning like on the way back when the kids aren't in the you car you make your listen kids to listen to podcasts no when they're not in the car like they they won't stand for it um yeah <laughs> right um so. 
And uh, when I'm cooking or when I'm on the Peloton or um, sometimes I take a walk. Yeah, pretty much all the time. Like I'm in my house all the time with headphones on and um, and my wife thinks it's totally antisocial. Um, <laughs> it's like everyone's around and I'm listening to podcasts. But it's uh, it's really... Um, it's an, it's a good way to get information. I think podcasts are like they are they're a lot less hot takey than every other news medium. Um, you know, like you get sure. longer longer like discussions and and um yeah, I'm a big fan. Even if you listen to like kind of liberal ones or conservative ones, like even if you listen to like sort of pointed ones, they're less um they're just more nuanced and they say more and you get more information than from I guess social media. Yeah. They have a different tone. They just sound completely like the, everything about them is different. Like even people like people who are on TV, you can hear the way that their voice um, goes on TV is completely different than when yeah. they are on a podcast. Like it's kind of interesting how like these different mediums yield uh, completely different uh, patterns. And, and it's not just the, if you will, depth of the conversation, but the actual like tonality of their voice. So. Um, the other thing I wanted to... Well, I guess last thing, because we should go. Mm-hmm. Um, I got this. Uh, have you ever heard of this? Um, what's it called? Like a daylight therapy lamp. You know what that is? Uh, I it's can like imagine. a sun lamp. It's like, yeah, a, it's great. It like, uh, if you work indoors all day, putting this little like bright light next to your, next to your desk or on your desk, like near your face, basically, um, it makes you feel like much more energized. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's totally uh, like a placebo effect. The, the one challenge, that, one thing about CNBC is we are so we shoot like a like a lot of the like the show at noon from basically from noon to three. Uh, they film right here uh, in Jersey. The other ones are in New York, um, and so I think as a result, the, like the you know when you see the when you watch CNBC and you see the people in the background, like the newsroom, like that's where we are. It's like a newsroom. Uh-huh. But I think because but it's dark. of that, they can't, they can't have windows like, cause you'll get uh-huh. errant light. And I'm guessing is why there aren't windows. So it's a casino vibe where there aren't windows. So it, it, it took like a year or so to get used to not having any windows and not seeing uh, daylight. So maybe yeah. I should get one of these. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it might like bother your people who are around your desk cause it's very bright. Um, but you have to put it in a place where, like, you're not looking at it directly, but it's sort of shining in, in like, eyesight. Um, yeah. And uh, you've, I've had it for a few days, and I it, I just feel, like, more energized in some way. Um, it could be all just in my head, but it's, like, good enough that um, it's You've also it. been doing the cocaine, right? Yeah, That's I mean, also, there's a lot of cocaine, yeah. <laughs> no. Hey, we're kidding, Dean Becky. We're kidding. It's a joke. Calm down, buddy. Right? I don't. I don't think Dean Becky would care. No, he'd be cool with it. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know his views on drugs in the workplace. On you doing cocaine? <laughs> we'll have to ask him. Yeah, I, I haven't specifically asked for permission. We should have him on to talk about you doing drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Just see what his view is. That'd be cool, um, right? Let's not do that. Who's your boss? I don't, you don't have to say if you're not allowed to say. But. I report to a higher power. Uh-huh, uh, okay. My boss is Mark Hoffman. He's the chairman of uh, CNBC. Wow. That's a, that's a, you report to the chairman. Yeah. 
Straight in the chairman, he's a great guy, great boss, so far. <laughs> like, I don't want to, I don't want to have to come back in a week and say I was wrong. Yeah. Thus far, it's been fantastic. That's no good. No complaints. Awesome. I'm, I'm happy for you. Me too. All right, buddy. Uh, I noticed you didn't say anything nice about Dean Becke just now, but that's fine. Dean Becke so is great. We'll, uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, you're pissed because he won't let you do cocaine the way you want. <laughs> Messed up. Um, all right, man. I will talk to you maybe next week, maybe two weeks from now. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Just whenever say? we get around to it. Who's to say? Who's to say? Uh, all right. See ya. All right. Bye.